0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Laganitas Brewing Company, challenging the status quo and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of innovative craft brews and non-alcoholic options, it's good to have friends. Learn more at laganitas.com.
1: So I did a little digging uh, to, to see what people were predicting for 2024, because I thought, you know, maybe this that'll be just a fun little way to, to start off this week's show here with Sheldon Pierce and Hazel Sills. And, um... But everything was just super depressing. I, I couldn't come up with anything. Not least among them, uh, the fact that people are already predicting that Travis and Taylor are going to split up. Oh, man. I, I know. And I was thinking, like, I, I was maybe hearing wedding bells. I don't, I don't know. I... Too soon. Too
2: soon. <laughs>
1: so I, I guess I'll just say that this is our 2024 preview show where we gaze into our crystal ball and flag and talk about some of the most anticipated albums of the year. There are many but let's start with one that's coming up really soon, and it's one I know we're all excited about. It's Slater Kinney's Little Rope. This is the song Untidy Creature.
3: I heard the click of a tiny catch. I closed my eyes and you found the last.
1: So this one uh, from Slater-Kinney, Little Rope, it's out January 19th, so coming up right away. I think it's one we're all pretty stoked about, but Hazel, this is one that you brought to the table.
2: Yeah, I am, you know, super excited for this. Obviously, you know, Slater-Kinney hit it out of the park every album, but there is a very intense, devastating story behind the recording of this album. In the fall of 2022, Carrie Brownstein learned that her mother and her stepfather had been killed in a car accident while they were vacationing in Italy. And Corin Tucker had previously been listed as Brownstein's emergency contact on a passport form, who then had to relay to her that the Italian embassy, you know, was looking for her. Um, And so some of this album had already been written, but, you know, the kind of tragedy, this intense tragedy that Brownstein and Tucker had both kind of experienced in different ways began to seep its way into the recording of this album and you know i've heard this album in full um and it is such a fierce intense record with so many incredible songs and even some kind of like energetic like almost danceable ones that really remind me of their 2015 album no cities to love
4: yeah i mean i've sort of been because of the the very very intense backstory behind this Mm -hmm. record i've sort of been putting it off um, yeah. even as a big Slater Kinney fan but you know y- you sort of mentioning no cities to love gives me sort of great optimism for this yeah. record I love that record I think that's the best of their sort of Reformation records
0: yeah.
4: um, and I do I do hear some of that in in this single there is something really powerful about taking a moment of tragedy and sort of finding any sort of optimism in the Mm -hmm. wake of that. I mean, to have this record come on the heels of such a personally devastating thing and be born into the climate as Robin has sort of hinted out at the open, (laughs) like, to have personal tragedy mount in the wake of, like calamity everywhere you turn it can feel overwhelming but i I do think there is sort of a sense of optimism that lingers throughout their music and i'm i'm really hopeful that it carries through this album every slater Kinney record feels like a gift but it seems like for them to deliver this one mm-hmm. amidst all of that is really something special
1: yeah i mean i think really long time die hard fans m- might disagree with me but they're a band that i think since they came back Um, it's been almost a decade, you know, they broke up and then they came back Mm -hmm. in 2015. So they've been back for almost a decade now. I feel like they've been putting out some of their best work in the the past decade. They actually, I feel like they came back even better uh, than they were before. We each brought a few things that we want to play and talk about. Um, so we'll just go around the table here and we'll each share what we have. Uh, Sheldon, what do you got?
4: Yeah, my first pick is going to be from The Smile, uh, the Radiohead sort of offshoot. (laughs) Uh, Their second album, Wall of Eyes, is out uh, January 26th. Let's hear the title cut.
3: Black and white. Scrap itself.
1: You know, Sheldon, you, you say, uh, the, the Radiohead side project, if you Google what people are talking about around this record and this band, the, one of the first things you see in the results is, is the smile actually Radiohead? <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, no, it's not. And then those strings come in. I'm like, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, but, you know,
4: it, I mean, it is the first sort of Radiohead adjacent music to feature Two members of the original band in Tom York and Johnny Greenwood, they match up with Sons of Kemet drummer and co-founder Tom Skinner, and I think you can make a pretty compelling case that it is the best Radiohead music outside of Radiohead. (laughs) (laughs) Those guys do a lot of work outside the band, but... It's in part because of what you mentioned, because of what people on the internet are saying. It sounds so close to Radiohead. Um, But there is something, to your point, just a little askew about it. I do think the Smile stuff is a bit more buoyant, thanks in part to Tom Skinner. But there is like... An eerie fog that hangs over the smile music. And you could describe a lot of Radiohead music as spooky, and even the title Wall of Eyes seems to <laughs> yeah. hint at like this pantopticonic like yeah. mass surveillance state yeah. energy. And I'm I've really the spooky Radiohead stuff is my favorite Radiohead stuff. I really love this man's first record. The many different directions it moved, the many different shapes it took, uh, it just seemed so freeing for these guys to be able to work on this stuff together without the expectations that hang over a Radiohead record. Um, And I think as a result, they, they created some of the most interesting stuff that they've done in recent years.
2: Yeah, when you said spooky, I was like, I really feel like that's the Johnny of it all. Yeah, mean, (laughs) Like, I I mean, I'm so in love with his scoring work for so many incredible films. And when you said, like, fog over the music, I was like, well, that's sort of the fog that he lends to so many of the movies that he's, you know, made music for. And that was, I don't know, the first thing that I thought of.
1: Yeah, I mean, the lines between Radiohead and The Smile are pretty blurred. I, I was trying to think of differences. Maybe Radiohead is rooted in slightly bigger concepts, mm-hmm. maybe more elusive ideas, m- maybe more polyrhythmic with more chopped up stuff. But it's, yeah, I, I will say listening to this new record, uh, Wall of Eyes, those lines are even more blurred for me now yeah. Um, yeah. On, on some of these tracks.
4: Yeah, I think this record definitely close, even closer to the Radiohead stuff than the first record. Yeah. But even with that, even with all the connections to the Radiohead stuff, I think it feels so distinctly weird in its Mm. own way. Its connection to the Radiohead music makes it interesting, but I think it exists apart from that
1: and has its own merits. Hazel, you mentioned Johnny Greenwood's scores. He's done so much with Paul Thomas Anderson. There's a great Paul Thomas Anderson video for the title cut. Uh, mm. To all of eyes that everyone should check out. Too. It's really beautifully done. So that's out January twenty sixth. On February second, there's a new Britney Howard album uh, that I'm very excited about. Of course, she's best known for fronting the band Alabama Shakes. You know, which actually Alabama Shakes they haven't had an album out in nearly a decade. Yeah. Um, her first solo album, Britney Howard's first solo album, came out almost five years ago. It was called Jamie. That was in twenty nineteen. So I was very excited uh, when her new one, What Now. Uh, was announced just this last fall I want to play the title cut
3: I don't want to confuse you for fulfilling me. I don't want to wonder what I love you I might be the one to cause you trouble I've been asking questions you don't want to no know I wonder if I'm here to so I'm not alone It's painful but I might as dis- well
1: You know, I think Reinvention and Big Swings were both recurring themes of 2023. And um, from what I've heard so far of the Brittany Howard record, it sounds like she's absolutely doing the same, you know. I think there were. if you listen to Jamie, there were inklings of uh, the direction she was headed in. You know, I I don't think you listen to this new record, What Now? and, And it's like a colossal surprise or left turn for her, but just more evolved, you know. Her sound is getting a little bit bigger. The grooves are, are so deep. You know, it's just bold and fearless and a big sound. I just absolutely love it.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, the I, I like and respect the Alabama Shake stuff. It is really extremely competently produced. But to me, Jamie was such a personal statement mm. for Brittany Howard. Uh, so deeply invested in her story, so close to the vest. It, it felt like she was making an album that she's sort of been carefully holding on to for years um, and finally, finally setting it free into the world. Listening to some of the songs on this new record, it feels like having the opportunity to set that aside has really opened her up and, and allowed her to explore the full range of her sound. I mean, this is... This is a funk rock jam that is undeniable. (laughs) Like, it it hits you square in the chest when you listen to it. Um, Just her voice at full throat, completely in command of everything that she's been able to do in the past um, and unleashing, it feels like, her full potential on this one.
2: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned her, her voice. She's such an incredible vocalist and performer and not just hearing, like, the full you know, range of her voice, but also just like her having fun and yeah. like the looseness of the music. And WNXP's Julie Height did an interview with Brittany Howard that Empire Music published last year. And I know she talked with Julie about, you know, really not wanting to be put in a box anymore and how freeing it is to sort of get to this place in her career where, you know, with every album she puts out, people can sort of, wonder like, well, what is she going to do next? Like, what are we going to hear next? And it's, I can hear that kind of freedom that you're talking about Sheldon in the music that she's making now. It seems like she's fully transcended the Alabama Shakes sound and style and can kind of, you know, really express more sides of her personality and more sides of her, you know, musical approach like on her own terms.
1: What Now is the, the record from Brittany Howard uh, out on February 2nd? Uh, I think it's going to be a big one this year. Even though it's right at the beginning of the year, <laughs> I think I think I can say that the
2: year's only a few months. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: all right, Hazel, what do you got next?
2: Yeah, so uh, another album that I'm really excited for this year is a new record from Mary Timoney called "Untame the Tiger," um, and I'm gonna play her song "The Guest." Great opening line. Hello, loneliness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, she,
1: she basically personifies loneliness yeah. in this song as the guest who's always knocking on your door and wanting to come in.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is a big album for for her. I mean, it's her first solo album in 15 years, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, but obviously, you know, in the years since she's been very busy. You know, obviously, like I met like a lot of people. You know, I first fell in love with Mary Timony as the front woman of the '90s band Helium. And I've loved, you know, kind of every project she's been a part of since. Her group X-Hex, she put out an album with Gary Brownstein as Wild Flag. You know, she just has this incredible career as like a very kind of dry, cynical songwriter. And also being like a renowned guitarist, basically a guitar god (laughs) in my, my mind. And yeah, this album, you know, she says came after the dissolution of a long term relationship. And it was also recorded during a two-year period where she was caretaking for both of her ailing parents. Um, And so this album was kind of like an anchor for her in that time. Um, And yeah, I just think there's such a beautiful kind of lightness to the album. I mean, that song, The Guest, has this kind of like country twang. It feels, you know, very light for someone who I think of as like, producing or has produced very, like, um, shred-heavy songs across her career. And, yeah, I'm just excited to see her return to her solo moniker. And, like, really, I feel like that's kind of been the space across her career where she's made her most personal work and her most intimate work. And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one.
4: Just listening to this, it sounds in a completely different realm from what I know of Mary Timoney. Uh, to Hazel's point about being just like this guitar god,
1: um, a, a, a true shredder. I was also a helium fan, particularly mm-hmm. the, the noisier stuff. Hazel, is, is the re- rest of the record kind of jangly and...
2: Yes, it's definitely janglier and like sort of, I don't know, soft. Um, it just feels like, because I mean, I, I don't know if you remember like when she first came out with her, Solo work in the early 2000s, it, it had kind of this like renaissance flair. It was kind of critically disregarded at the time or like critically panned. But this, I don't know, this sort of, it's not as hard as like the wild flag stuff or the XX stuff, mm-hmm. but feels a lot more singer songwritery.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, that record again from Mary Timony, Untamed the Tiger, out February 23rd. Shelton, what do you got? Uh, Yeah, my
4: next album is from the reggae producer and dub pioneer Lee Scratch Perry. It's called King Perry. It's out February 2nd, and this is I Am A Dubby. Yeah, you know, Lee Scratch Perry was as essential to the development and expansion of Jamaican music as any other artist, mm. um, whether in his band The Upsetters or in the studio he built in his backyard the Black Ark. Uh, he was a prolific and also eccentric artist who sort of never stopped testing the limits of his sound. And, you know, that continued up into his, until his death uh, in 2021. Uh, in the few days of the pandemic, he sort of wrote and recorded this which is being billed as his final album so uh, Mm -hmm. they don't they don't seem to be intending to let anything else go it will be released on the tricky label false idols and the british rapper and producer produced two of the songs on it with perry in his final moments in this sort of last artistic statement perry wanted to sort of push-dub music, which is sort of, you can hear it on that song. He's known for remixing a lot of songs, sort of reinventing them, transforming them, mutilating them in some cases. (laughs) Um, But he has always been this experimental artist sort of looking to see how he can incorporate new sounds into things. What reggae was before his influence and after are, are two entirely different things. Listening to the record, it's sort of, exciting to hear an artist at his age a legend with nothing left to prove sort of still trying to reimagine this thing that he helped create and he just continues even in his final breaths to try to think of the next iteration of this thing how it can be even bigger than the thing that he created
2: i just feel like that's so rare to get that i mean a posthumous releases are can be weird. Um, but <laughs> to, it, say <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. but it seems <coughs> like it, this is a this was sort of such a deeply forward thinking album. Um, yeah, it's it's just really beautiful that we get to have this this project and that it's being released into the world.
4: Yeah, I mean to that point, not a lot of artists get to go out on their own terms. No, exact that's what it statement is. Yes. Be the one that they want to make to the world. Yes. And for him to get that opportunity to not only say, okay, this is sort of my musical last will and testament. Um, I leave this to you, my fans, and and to whoever will carry the torch for dub music Mm -hmm. going forward. He also has sort of taken this opportunity to lay out what he wants for the music in the future. And, I mean, it is as interesting and as intricate as anything he has
1: worked on his whole career. King Perry from Lee Scratch Perry is out on February 2nd. I want to do one that is by one of my all-time favorite bands. Anyone who's listened to this show... Uh, going way back uh, in the time machine will remember maybe a long running and recurring joke about how much I love the band Granddaddy (laughs) and Jason Lytle who fronts the group and nothing has changed I still do very very much so I was absolutely over the moon when I found out that the the Granddaddy was coming back with a new album it's called Blue Wave it's the first one from the band in seven years Uh, this is the song Ducky Boris and Dart
3: Ducky he actually was a big deal, even being so small and found in a field by me on that summer day. Headed for home, and for a short and sweet time, I wasn't alone. is no place for someone like me and i'm sorry to say he was swept out to sea
1: So in addition to writing dystopian songs about broken technology and A.I. and, and depressed robots and, and things like that, uh, Jason Lytle, something that you don't hear people say about him, uh, top level, he's an animal lover. Mm. <laughs> he, had, he had this incredible song on one of his solo albums called Ghost of My Old Dog. Uh, oh, just so heartbreaking and beautiful. This song, Ducky, Boris and Dart, it's all about real animals that came into his life. Ducky was a kitten he found in an almond orchard while he was out riding his bike one day. <laughs> Boris Boris was a cat that he read about that had traveled around the world with a, a sailor on, on a boat. And, and Dart, poor Dart, uh, Dart was a bird that flew into the windshield of his pickup truck uh, one day. I don't, I don't think Dart made it either. <clears throat> but um, I'll try not to go too long on, <laughs> on, on, on all the reasons why I love Jason Lytle and Granddaddy, but uh, I'll just start with the fact that he's a fantastic storyteller I think you hear it in that song. His songs are very much about average people, very average people, unremarkable people, trying to make it through the world in very unremarkable ways, but very relatable ways. There are very few heroes in his songs, almost no heroes in fact. His music kind of unfolds like Raymond Carver stories to me, like he'll just drop you in a moment without a whole lot of context. And you just sort of live in that moment with this character And then you're pulled out of that moment without any real resolution necessarily. You know, like, okay, everything's tied up with a bow. But really, really love his music. This, I think um, this album made me think a little bit about the Mary Timoney one. Mm -hmm. Um, Granddaddy has gotten very noisy in the past too and chaotic. He pulls way back on this one. It is a little janglier. It's got more of a country flair to it. He uses Mm -hmm. pedal steel for the first time on the record. Yeah, I mean, I'm
4: not hip to Grandaddy. I was going to ask you, Robin, what is the sort of Grandaddy starter pack if I'm trying to get into Grandaddy before this record?
1: Yeah, they you know, they had a moment back in 2002 when that movie, the zombie movie 28 Days Later, came out because they had a song in it called AM180. And it was like, you know, in, in the early 2000s, you, you get you getting a song in a movie or a TV show or something, that was like your big break. And it looked like things were going to break open for this band. But nature ran its course, and it did not. <laughs> you know, and the band ended up breaking up. And, you know, I think if I remember correctly, Jason Lytle said at the time, he just couldn't go on being responsible for the welfare of these other guys in the band and trying yeah. to make a living for them. And mm. so he went solo for a while, and then they brought the, he brought the grand Daddy moniker back, it, it, it is still largely a, uh, a one-man project uh, these days. My personal favorite album and a great place to start is the Software Slump. Uh, or there's another album called Just Like the Family, the Family Cat, um, that is also really awesome. But you know, I think if you are a longtime Granddaddy fan, you're going to love this new album, uh, Blue Wave. And if you are not, this is not a bad place to start either. So we got to take a break, uh, but when we come back, we'll have more of the most anticipated releases of 2024. This
5: message comes from NPR's sponsor, Teledoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy family, work, living a fuller life. Teledoc Health understands whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight. Teledoc Health can help. Visit teladochealthcom what's your why for more information. That's T E L A D O C health slash what's your why.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Laganitas Brewing Company. Since 1993, Laganitas has been challenging the status quo, brewing innovative beer, and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of craft brews, cult classics, and non alcoholic options, there's a seat at the bar for everyone. Bring the dog to Laganitas Brewing Company because every great song deserves a great beer. It's good to have friends. Learn more at Lagunitas.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor CarMax. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because CarMax believes you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car. That's why every car they sell has CarMax certified quality, so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. Don't settle, find love at first drive. Start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
5: This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. When you book through Capital One Travel using the Venture X Card, you earn 10X miles on hotels and rental cars and 5X miles on flights, and you earn unlimited 2X miles on all other purchases. Plus, receive a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet?
1: Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. It's All Songs Considered. I'm Robin Hilton. I'm here with NPR Music's Hazel Sills and Sheldon Pierce. We're talking about the most anticipated albums of 2024. Uh, We were only able to confirm releases basically up through maybe about the end of March. There are a few things in April we're fairly certain about, but things start to get pretty fuzzy after that. Um, Tons of rumored releases, though. Should we just mention a few before we get back to playing some stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Hazel, I know you. There's, there's one that you are hoping is true.
2: <laughs> Looms large yeah, every I think, night. I, I go to sleep. I think we're all hoping this <laughs> one comes. <laughs> yeah. um, so it has been a little over eight years since Joanna Newsom released an album. But in the past year or so, there have been hints that she is working on or preparing new music. Um, In March of last year, she did a surprise set as Fleet Fox's opener, and she played five new tracks. Um, And then she's also set to play at the Kilby Block Party this May in Salt Lake City. And the only thing I know really about those five tracks that she played back in March at that live set, Emma Madden reported on it for Pitchfork and said the songs were largely piano-based, which is crazy to me, um, given Joanna Newsom is like... The greatest harpist ever. <laughs> right um and so i there's really this is truly truly rumored but i am desperately desperately hoping that we get new joanna Newsom music this year
1: same um
4: sheldon yeah one that is less a rumor and there's more a question about just when it will come out the rapper chance the rapper has been teasing a new album called Starline Gallery for about eight months or so. He hasn't released a record since The Big Day in 2019, which was much maligned uh, (laughs) by fans and critics after a sort of, like, critical and cultural peak in 2016 with Coloring Book. But over the course of the last few years, he's quietly released a lot of really interesting sort of B-sides to streaming that have sort of hinted at a bit of a return to form. I also think people have been writing him off unfairly. People have... Essentially called him a flop in the in the nah, interim. I don't uh, believe it, and I don't. I don't,
1: <laughs> I don't think it's true. Well, I don't think it's true, but I also don't believe that they really think that because I think he's someone that everyone's going to show up for. Yeah, the, I, yeah, I
4: I do think it's a it's one of those situations where you, you only need one one great record to be yeah. to be right back in everybody's hearts. And I think, given the stuff that he's been teasing in the interim, I, he's really still one of the most clever and talented lyricists that we have um, currently working. And so I think this is a grand opportunity to demonstrate that to everyone once again.
1: Well, the one I'm most excited about and 100,000% rumor, literally (laughs) super, super rumor, super rumor is maybe, maybe possibly a new My Bloody Valentine album. Kevin Shields, you know, who fronts the band, he did say a while back that they were working on new songs. I mean... He says a lot. I know. (laughs) Um, He did, did, you know, last year he put out, he released this custom guitar pedal, a fuzz pedal that I think is to sort of emulate the sound. That he gets with his guitar and he he included a flash drive with some of those pedals that had a new song on it that people were flipping out about an instrumental song and um sort of like joanna Newsom popping up live uh he he did a, a performance with dinosaur jr in, in london late last year and they played a version of just like honey dear god let it be true a new my bloody valentine album would be so awesome this year um there are many more rumored releases uh, for 2024 more than we could mention but hazel what else do you have that we can actually confirm
2: yes um another album that i am excited for this year is a new album from hooray for the riffraff called the past is still alive Um, and the song i'm gonna play off of it is the opener to the album it's called alibi
3: you don't have to If you don't want to die You could take it all back In the nick of time Maybe even be A good friend of mine Baby I And we won't have to cry If we don't want to cry Maybe I got something left And it's hard to find A wash in the sand On the beach of time You know the time can take you for a ride, can take you by surprise. Maybe you're all snake guys. Baby, tell me why you gotta play your luck. Two aces call your bluff. I love you very much, and all that other stuff.
2: You know, I love a cowboy, I love a wanderer, I love a traveler. <laughs> And more, more
1: country flair. <laughs> We're <know>. getting this, <laughs> yeah. this new batch of records.
2: I know. I should leave New York and go down south. But Alinda uh, Segarra, who is you know the front person and sort of you know the brains of "Hooray for the Riff Raff," is just so incredible on this album, and has really just like consistently impressed me with their last few releases. Um, you know, they are an artist who kind of sits. In between a bunch of different genres, like, you know, sometimes they're more folky, sometimes they're more indie rocky. They're an artist who is always tackling like kind of big, thinky ideas, like a very wide range of like political and social messages and topics like gentrification and addiction and incarceration. And um, on this album, The Past is Still Alive, you know, the reason I mentioned cowboys at the beginning is um, it really kind of draws on their youth growing up in New York City and then leaving home at 17 and kind of hitchhiking across the country before landing in their home of New Orleans. And it, you know, was also recorded the month uh, after the death of their their father. Um, but it's just a really beautiful album that kind of crawls all across America or is like, you know, tr- kind of traveling all these different scenes, you know, in the different corners of the country and, you know, from like Nebraska to New York City to San Francisco and just really beautiful songwriting. And I don't know, Alinda is just, just keeps getting better and better.
4: Yeah, you mentioned the songwriting and that's what immediately struck me. Listening to Alibi, it feels like an attempt to like talk somebody off the ledge. Mm-hmm. And Cigaras wrote the song as an ode to their father who passed away, I think a month before they started recording this project. And it really feels like an attempt to reconcile an unreconcilable situation Mm -hmm. um, to try to speak to something that's already passed. Um, And the idea of like... Copping to somebody's alibi in some in that situation mm-hmm. is such
1: powerful, profound imagery. Yeah, definitely opening up more when you say Hazel on this album than at any time.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I mean their their last album, um, Life on Earth, was this really kind of beautiful, kind of synth driven album that they kind of referred to as like nature punk is what they coined their style of music and um You know, I think the the sound of this record, which is so much warmer and so much country, more country driven, more folk driven, I think is a really elegant pairing to the sort of personal histories that they're mining as opposed to, you know, kind of those bigger um, political ideas.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't know that uh, Alinda had um, run away from home, essentially, at, at 17 and hitchhiked across the country. And, and then, you know, all the adventures uh, that they lived through at that time. I can't get my 12-year-old to walk to the library, <laughs> you know, three blocks away by himself. Uh, uh, I, I just can't even imagine.
2: Um, <laughs> A few years, Robin. Yeah, you yeah, never yeah. know what will happen. to tell him when have teenagers. Yeah,
1: when he's 17, I'm going to say, you're, you know you're running away now. <laughs> All right, that's, that's just, we're gone. The Past is Still Alive uh, is the Hooray for the Riff Raff record, out February 23rd. Sheldon. Yeah, my
4: next record is the Serpent with Feet record called Grip. It is out February 16th, and this is the song Speeds. <laughs> ¶¶
1: I'll always show up for uh, an artist who turns conventional forms sort of inside out or, uh, you know, on their head. And that's something he's always done around R&B, you know, just making it all a little strange and dreamy. Um, Is that something that he leans into even more on this record? Um, You
4: know, honestly, I think the opposite. Hmm. Um, I I think, you know, as somebody who's followed Serpent with feet since his 2018 debut, Soil, um, I mean, he, to your point, he's always been this sort of experimental soul musician toying with the idea of R&B, uh, sort of referencing gospel, which his yeah. his mother was a, a choir director. Um, but it, there's a, always been a spectral quality to it. Mm, that's a good word. Um, this, this music is, to me, a little less formless and... A little more accessible than the last two records that he's done. Um, I, which is not to say like this is not pop R&B by any stretch. Right. Um, and and he is still tinkering with the form in a lot of very interesting ways. But I think this record puts his voice forward at the center in a way that his previous records haven't. I think those two records, it kind of felt like he was hiding his voice in the mix in pursuit of this almost hallucinatory effect. Hmm. Uh, and this is the closest to being a front and center like spotlight musician I think Serpent with Feet will ever get.
1: Yeah.
4: Um, and as a result, you get this sort of more robust record that maintains that sort of fragility, that intimacy, that comes with his previous two records, but I think will be a little bit more inviting to those who maybe found those a bit harder to grasp.
2: Yeah, I agree. When I first listened to this I don't know, because I think of him as being this kind of experimental artist. And it feels like with each new album, It's not that he's shedding that experimental sound, but he's sort of—I mean, maybe coming closer to a a center, or I don't know. Like, yeah, like as you said, it's not pop art by (laughs) any (laughs) means. By no stretch. But there's like a song on this album with Ty Dolla Sign. Like, it's—it feels like that is a moving towards a space of more accessibility um, than what I've heard from his music in the past, which is exciting because it's been thrilling to watch the ways in which not just his music has grown, but like his star has grown and like the people that he's collaborated with and, and the ways in which he's expanded his music. But yeah, when I first gave this album a spin, I was like, oh, this feels more accessible, like poppier to me than the stuff that he's done. But again, not <laughs> not like as much as it... As it could be
4: right. There's like there's more traditional sort of song structures mm-hmm. on this record than in the past few records, and I think even the presence of Tear point, Ty Dolla Sign, like there's a Mick Jenkins feature on this record, yeah. which like that that's not like going out and getting a little Dirk, but it is uh, an acknowledgement of the industry at large yeah. in a way that I don't think he was doing on previous records. That said, it still has the same qualities that made his original music so sort of under the surface. It almost, he's almost felt hidden um, mm. from the rest of the R&B landscape in a way. And it's, it's sort of been hard to classify him as that up until this point, I think, even though it was clear that those were his touchstones. But this record, I feel like he is officially leaning into that designation in a way he hasn't in the past.
1: Grip, again, is the album from Serpent With Feet, out on February 16th. Uh, I want to talk about the new Chelsea Wolf album that's coming out uh, on February 9th. It's called She Reaches Out To She Reaches Out To She. Uh, I didn't stutter. It's, it's she, <laughs> she Reaches Out To She Reaches Out uh, To She. Uh, Chelsea Wolf, a guitarist who just makes the most gloriously fuzzed out, noisy, thunderous rock. Super dark and gloomy in all the ways that I love. I read the New York Times referred to her as a Goth crooner mm-hmm. which I thought, okay, that works too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the opening cut to her new album. It's called Whispers in the Echo Chamber. Whispers in the Echo
3: Chamber.
1: I love Chelsea Wolf so much. Um, I just find find her music to be so transporting and um, cathartic. You know, if every window in your house is not shaking when you have this on, you clearly don't have it loud enough. This album in particular, she reaches out to, she reaches out to, she is. It's all about confronting the past and rebirth. It's a theme that you know it plays out in the title alone. Uh, it's very circular right you know it's a play on the idea that progress and healing and change in life is it's never a straight line yeah. it's cyclical um and uh one of the things i think it's particularly interesting is the idea that all the different parts of ourselves who we were who we are who we want to be they're always in dialogue with each other and also it rocks so hard yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i would think you're a chelsea wolf fan hazel yeah
2: you know, I have never really gotten super deep into her music, but I also know that I probably would be a fan, especially because of what you just played. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is music for, your, for like, stirring your cauldron, um, <laughs> which I do every morning when I make uh, my oatmeal in my cauldron. <laughs> um, but that's such a beautiful sentiment about those three sort of parts of yourself, your future self, your mm. past self who you are right now being in dialogue with each other like as you were saying that i was kind of like rocking back and forth in the studio (laughs) like whoa um yeah it sounds like an incredible record
4: yeah i mean that to bring it full circle this this is the of the songs we played this song feels like uh 2024 to me it feels like a presentation of of what is to come um it embodies everything that you talked about, Robin, in that in that sentiment of rebirth. The, I, I love the lyric in this song that this world was not designed for us and mm-hmm. I've been punished, I've been blessed. It really does feel like we are constantly living in that dual reality um, of, of being punished and being blessed, dealing with everything that is going on, bombarding us at all times, but also sort of, being em, embracing the joys of life, yeah and and sort of finding our ways through that at all times, and I think there is this great contrast in this song in particular of the doom and gloom of the the sound itself, but sort of. This like hopeful, almost ethereal quality in her voice; mm-hmm. those two, thi- that the friction of those two things pressing up against each other—it's just really, really exciting to listen to.
1: Yeah, I think everything you said so beautifully there—I think would apply to her whole her whole catalog. Really, I mean, that, I think that's this is not well. Gosh, I feel like I say this on every show I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not—it's not depressing. I mean, this is not hopeless music. No, you definitely know, to, not. Yeah. Yeah, to your point she reaches out to she reaches out to she from Chelsea wolf that's out February, February 9th um, and we have one late edition that we just found out about that we want to include on the show because I know everyone's excited about it it's from the Danish singer Erica de cassier uh, the album called still this is our our first sample from the album it's a song called lucky <laughs>
3: Too fast, words that I could never ever tell you. Do I like this? Do I like that? You make it real easy to love you right back. Lucky, lucky me, you look what I got. I don't worry, you got my back. Another night, another night, another night.
1: I think it's fair to say that Erica De Cassier is kind of on the the brink of a moment, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, 100%. especially yeah, especially after last year. You know, writing or co-writing most of the songs on that New Jeans record that I know we all really loved. Um, like, she really just knows how to craft songs that get their hooks into you.
4: One hundred percent. I mean, for the heads, she self-released her debut, the 2019 album Essentials, and. If you heard the new gene stuff after you had heard right. her record, you would hear her instantly. A lot of sort of muted, dreamlike vocals. But there are few artists working in her sort of like, quote unquote, alt-R&B space that have better drum programming in their yeah. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it exists at an intersection of the Pink Panther stuff, mm-hmm. of like Shy Girl a little bit of Kalila, um, but I think her knack for a, a pop hook, mm. that an earworm that just burrows right into the center of your brain is unlike anyone else. And I think this record may be her most infectious and that's saying something.
2: Yeah, it's exciting to see an artist who was kind of, has been working kind of on the fringes of a genre or different genres or sort of like I would think is more underground or certainly not like a mainstream R&B or pop artist and then their sound that they've cultivated so strongly across their career is bubbling up yeah. into spaces like, you know, Pink Pantheress's work and the New Jeans work that she co-wrote and yeah, I think Robin she really is like this is going to be the sound of pop music. If, yeah. if, not. <laughs> if not this year, then like next year.
1: So we'll go out on this uh, from to DeCastier, the, the album still. Uh, Sheldon Pierce, Hazel Sills. Thanks so much, y'all. Thanks Thank for having you. me. Thank you. And from NPR Music, I'm Robin Hilton. It's All Songs Considered.
5: This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.